Hi, this is Seth Everett, and before we start the Bavada at Odds podcast, I want to just make one announcement. We try to record this podcast right before we post it, and when we recorded, the Super League was the number one thing on the Bavada Sportsbook app. The proposed European Super League then suddenly had a change, because as the podcast was being submitted, Manchester City and Chelsea exited the proposed league. Clearly, that has changed the dynamic of everything. It's still a very poignant conversation, and we wanted to air it. However, we didn't want you to think we didn't realize what had changed, and the timing just simply didn't work. It's the mystery of podcasting, but we still present this week's Bavada at Odds podcast. Welcome to the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm the host of this dog and pony show. The head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook is Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, you know, a lot of times we talk about American sports, but across the line, uh, where you can download a podcast just as easily as you can download this one, um, there is a massive controversy about the possibility of a super. What can you tell us about what the gaming community or the gambling community says about this? All right. So th- this was pretty fascinating news that seemed to come out of nowhere uh, on Monday, Seth. And I mean, it is something that these large teams have kind of talked about for years because, you know, if you're Manchester City, if you're Arsenal, Liverpool, et cetera, et cetera. You don't want to actually have to compete to be in the Champions League. You don't want to have to actually earn your right. You have you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, you you should just be able to play in these games by virtue of being Manchester United. So this is something that was talked about, but never really taken too serious. And they blew the sporting world away on Monday by doing this. I you know so of course we had to put odds on this. Uh, we you know we have odds up at Bavada right now. Who will win the first U, uh, European Super League if it ever takes off? But What's really been interesting to me, and uh, I find myself in the minority here. I'm a huge soccer fan. I'm a Liverpool fan. They've had a crappy year, but that's okay. That that comes on the backs of them winning the whole league last year in England, which they hadn't done in ages. So on the flip side, though, UEFA and FIFA are not, you know, they're not orgs that I have the slightest bit of sympathy for. They are corrupt. They, you know, are responsible for bribes. They... You know, you you look at what's happening with the World Cup in Qatar and, you know, passports taken away from migrants working there. I don't feel bad for UEFA or FIFA. So for me, I think it's kind of funny. But of course, we had to put odds up on there because FIFA and UEFA are talking about as early as this Friday, Seth, booting all these teams from all their respective orgs. The Prince Prince William has implored this to not go through. Boris Johnson has said that he'll deny work visas for players. This is serious news. To me, as a fan of sports, you know, I I see the... We're always trying to further monetize this stuff, whether it's, you know, digital rights, whether it's new TV deals, whether it's, uh, you know, a lot of these teams having gambling deals now with, you know, various sports books. This seems like a logical progression for big teams, blue bloods to protect their financial streams. So I get it. But the backlash has been kind of interesting to me. And as a result, you know, we have a scenario right now where Paris Saint-Germain could essentially be awarded the Champions League title this Friday if UEFA decides to rule them out. Paris Saint-Germain, which was 3-1 to one to win it all, 
going into Monday, and they're now down to plus 150. We still have these odds available for Paris Saint-Germain, and they could win it by default on Friday if UEFA goes that route. But the argument, look, there's a historical precedence here in other sports. You know, when there was the NBA and the ABA, they merged. When there was uh, the NFL and the AFL, they merged. They, they created Super Leagues. What, what I think a lot of American issue with soccer or football or you, whatever you want to call it, is not the games. The games themselves are fantastic. Um, I enjoy watching the sport. What I think is weird is one night I'm watching the Premier League. The next I'm watching Serie A. The next night I'm watching another league. And then there's all these international competitions that are literally scheduled out of nowhere. And you need to be fully invested. And if you're telling me that this is a way to simplify and make one big soccer football champion, why would that be a bad thing? And I think the people that are saying, please don't do this, please don't do this, are the same people that still want sports radio, that still want cable. It's don't change, don't progress, because the way it has been is the only way I know it, and therefore I love it. It's the people who don't want the DH in the National League. It's the same concept, at least just magnified on a larger scale. Yeah, and you know, these teams are not talking about leaving their domestic leagues. This is just a kind of a, a reform of how they would compete inside Europe. And, you know, I, I think about this more and more, like if you could lock in my team, Liverpool, getting more games against a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, a Juventus, an Inter Milan. You know, I, I was thinking about this yesterday and, and I, I'm Canadian. I love Canadian hockey. One of the things I, I'm always jealous about with soccer and especially the international soccer is how often they play international soccer. I would love to see Canada men's hockey play more meaningful games against U.S. hockey, Russian hockey. All we were robbed of this from the last Olympics where amateurs were playing. And of course, Russia had to send uh, Olympic athletes from Russia, not technically Team Russia. But I, I mean, if we're going to get more of these meaningful games from meaningful clubs that historically are the teams that we talk about in Europe, and don't get me wrong, we love an underdog story. We love when a team out of nowhere runs hot and is able to do well in these competitions. But we talked about this in March Madness. Eventually, you want to see the cream rise to the top. You want to see those great teams there. And this proposed Super League does have an in for five extra teams each year to earn their way into playing for this championship. They still want to play domestically. They still want to play in all the other international stuff that they have their current. Uh, I mean, I, I found very quickly when talking to some of my colleagues in Europe that my opinion was very much of the minority, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm spoiled by North American sports and how we look to further monetize and for, try and make things more entertaining. I, I don't hate it as much as everyone else seems to. Well, you bring up an interesting idea though. If you, know, you say that you'd love to watch Canada uh, play more, um, I'll just use your example. The problem is, is that the NHL is an 82 game regular season with a two month playoff, you know, in normal times you're talking about, that's essentially eight to maybe nine months of a calendar year where teams are playing, you know, players are playing for their team. You know, I was, a, I still am. I think the World Baseball Classic is one of the most ill-conceived tournaments ever made because you're playing it before the season starts. And the it's rules the, were always weird. It's stupid. 
And I've been a huge critic and Tommy Lasorda once called me a communist, but (laughs) that's a true story. And I'll tell the story in a second. But the the point that we're saying is when you are, I think, conflicted with the amount of the game that you are playing so that, for example, if your one team is in this other league and your league, and they're playing another league, plus you have international, I think the players are spread too thin. They're playing in too many things. And what I have always said, Nathan McKinnon is a great Canadian, but his loyalty has to be to the Edmonton Oilers. Like, it can't be, it cannot be that your Jack Hughes, was the number one pick in the in the uh, NHL draft two years ago. He's tw- he's not even twenty years old now. Okay, he's an American star. I want him playing for the New Jersey Devils, not Team USA. And so, when what I don't get is if you are a fan of Real Madrid, why would you want any of your players playing for Team Spain? Yeah, I mean, and. First of all, I completely agree with all of that. And I, I think what will help bridge this gap, uh, like so many things in life, is, is money. Uh, whether it's hockey and it's the IAHF uh, partnering and sharing, you know, Olympic or World Hockey Cup or whatever. Uh, whatever or, it is. Sorry, World Cup of Hockey is NHL. But anyways, uh, sharing those revenues, sharing those risks. And I mean, you know, you talk about uh, Jack Hughes and, you know, you want to protect. You know, I, I think about John Tavares in Sochi and he blew out his knee. And yeah, that, I remember. Oh, I that, remember. That, that was it for the Islanders season. And that I think that was the, the first game of the tournament. And right. you know, that but was if, something right. that's that, that was something that you know really put this issue to the precipice. I mean, the NHL was not gaining anything from loaning out one of their best players, the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, who are on a bit of a funk right now. But uh yeah, I I mean. On the one hand, I, I always like the, the game theory and the strategy of, don't get me wrong, you're right, it's too much. And again, as a Liverpool fan, I saw this in the last couple of years where they're playing Champions League, they're competing for a domestic title. There's load management. Uh, NBA struggles with this as well. The answer, I think, to some degree is playing maybe a little bit less games domestically. But tell but owners you that. Comp- but you but can't you- tell owners that. And tell all the broadcast contracts that. They're not going to take the hit, and that's less revenue. They're not going to give that up. Um you know, there is a great story. I was writing a column for Forbes about five years ago, and I still owe you a Tommy Lasorda. But five years ago, I was writing a column for Forbes about ways to speed up baseball. And I said that in the commercial break in between the half innings, I said, could you get the last commercial of every half inning to be 20 seconds instead of 30 seconds? 10 seconds. Okay. Would, would they consider that so that what happens now is baseball instituted like you have to be ready to go in a certain amount of time. And if you, if the play-by-play announcers take a long time getting to break, they come back, they miss a couple of pitches. Mm-hmm. So I said, this would be a way to fix this. And two sales managers from two teams, I don't want to give the teams away, but both of them laughed at me. They said, 10 seconds. Are you out of your mind? And I said, wait a second. So there are these people on social media that want less baseball games, right? They want to play 154 or 148. They want less games. The owners won't give up 10 seconds. What sports league is going to have your teams give up something? They just won't do it. 
they will only give something up if they get something in return. And that's where these other international bodies will have to bend a little bit. But that's where the international, but, but in, in Europe, the international body has a lot greater weight. Mm -hmm. They have a lot more power because it's important for these teams to be selected. And if you're a team in the premier league that did not get selected for these 12, you know, rich soccer teams, then you feel really dejected today. You want to like, you can rip it all you like on social media. The fact of the matter is, is you want it to be, uh, you want to be selected. You want to be part of this. Yeah. And and I I think at the end of the day, uh, while it appears these super league or so-called super league teams, because it's, you know, it's, it's still an idea more so than a concept yet. I, this could all just be posturing for getting a better cut of that UEFA Champions League pie. I mean, UEFA may be able to bring them back to the table. Uh, You know, we we do have odds up at Bavada right now for when the Super League may actually go. And it's, uh, you know, we we have it as an underdog that it would be uh, any sooner than 2023. You know, they are commitments they have to get through. UEFA and FIFA can posture all they want right now. That is what they do. They are, you know, again, Really want to emphasize, have no sympathy or empathy at all for the folks at UEFA and FIFA and the stepladders of the world who have made billions off, you know, a lot of shadiness at, in their time and power. But yeah, I, I do feel for the teams that may feel like they've been left behind in this, but this is the evolution of, you know, pro sports. This is certainly the evolution. You know, you, you look at teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid, uh, They've got to do this because there are hundreds of millions of, I guess, euros. I almost said pounds. Hundreds of millions of euros in debt because to them, owning those teams are about, uh, it's about, it's like owning a piece of art. It's, you know, if it's worth anything at all, great. But they are purchasing glory more than they are trying to run a successful business, which is an interesting contrast from Germany and why there are no German teams in this proposed Super League. Because German teams are, a lot of them are owned by fans. And they actually have rules in the Bundesliga that they cannot operate in debt. So there's also no financial uh, need for a Bayern Munich or a Leipzig or a Dortmund to join this so-called Super League because they're actually really well run. They don't need to chase those millions. They can kind of keep the legacy system intact. And as a result, the Bundesliga has been one of the uh, most stable leagues in all of Europe. Uh, You know, that ruthless German efficiency. No, there, there, there's there's no question for it. All right, I, I pay off stories. So in 2006, the initial World Baseball Classic, the late great Daryl Hamilton and I got asked to go to Tokyo, Japan, to call the play-by-play for Major League Baseball of the first round of the, the Asian leg of the first round of the World Baseball Classic. And this tournament is played in March, and that's the stupidest part of it. If it was important enough, you'd play it in October right after the major league season is over and you wouldn't include the teams that are in the postseason. And what you would do is you would play the games during the daytime. Like it, it's, it, it's, it's very easy to do it like the hockey does their world championships during yes. the Stanley cup playoffs. It's, it's so simple and they don't want to do that because they don't feel, they think that's diluting the product that less people will watch the major league baseball playoffs because there's this international tournament going on. And it's, it's a dumb argument because the people who are going to watch the playoffs love baseball. And if you love baseball, you're going to watch this thing. So I have said that if you're playing it in March, your emphasis is only on the dollar and it's not on 
the competition. Because if I was a general manager of any team, I would not let any of my pitchers go play in this thing because they are about to embark on a 162 game season. And especially the starters, like that's bonkers to have them play in meaningful games going into a season. And as a result, weren't there limits on, uh, you know, like pitch counts? And, yes. uh, and it, they, again, it compromises so... the competition, but you're doing it to because these players shouldn't be there. Right. And and so I made that argument with Daryl while we're calling the game. I said, I don't understand how this tournament is about competition. And I didn't know this, but Tommy Lasorda was going to be our guest in the fourth inning. The, the late, great Dodgers manager. Uh, the baseball wizard, for those of you who remember the baseball bunch, and he's standing behind me and I didn't know. So he hears this entire conversation and now he sits down, we put a headset on and we welcome him unknowing that he just saw this. So we say, welcome back to Tokyo Dome. Uh, you know, it was team Korea against team China or somebody. And he was an ambassador and we welcome him and he proceeds to scream at me like he screamed at umpires during his major league career. He <laughs> called me a communist. He said that it is your, your, your uh, patriotic duty and that your right as an American to compete and wear the colors. And I've never been anti-American. I'm not anti the, the thing. This tournament is stupid. And he wouldn't give it a rest. Three years later, three years after this incident, we're at the winter meetings and I'm on a stage in front. There's like 400 people in this little amphitheater in a hotel. And we're hosting a baseball hot stove show during the winter meetings. And the subject of the winter of the world baseball classic comes up. So I made my comment again. I said the same thing I ever said. And all of a sudden we hear yelling coming from beyond the the, the, the the audience. You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. He remembered. <laughs> and all of a sudden he emerges and like there's a spotlight and we're, like I couldn't see. And there's somebody on the dais with me and he goes, that's Tommy Lasorda. I go, of course it is. Tommy Lasorda. And when we pay tribute to him on Sports with Friends, we pay tribute to his iconic career, but there's if you think that story didn't get told on that tribute, I don't care. He is, he was out of his mind. He was, he was so crazy. And I never heard the end of it. I guess. And the, so th this is an inaugural event, a lot of money involved slapstick rules. Like this isn't an institution that we're trying to protect that America has been battling in for years to try and win, you know, the national pride of the inaugural world baseball classic uh, played in March with starters limited. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I can appreciate his passion, I suppose, but uh, like so many of, uh, you know, maybe the arguments he made over his career, a little misguided. Uh, it, misguided indeed. All right. So there are odds right now at Bavada Sportsbook on this Super League and whether or not this thing gets off the ground, when it gets off the ground, there's all these things. And I'm telling you, as long as people are betting on it, we're going to be talking about it on this podcast. Patrick, that's a podcast, my friend. Das bidanya, comrade. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We'll see you next week. Bye.